This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The following is a presentation of the Eastern Michigan Sports Network. Miss by the feet. He's to the 10. The 5. Evans up the middle to the five into the end zone. Touchdown, Eastern Michigan. Straight from the 7-3-4. It's the Blue Cross Blue Shield Eastern Insider Podcast. Presented by the Foling Warehouse. Your weekly chance to get in on the action. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all. Greg Steiner and Tom Helmer. Tom, we've entered that final weekend of October, and it means it's time for Eastern Michigan to get ready to possibly start changing the big trophy. The Mac Cross Country Championships are this weekend, and Sioux Parks and the track and field, well, really, I should say cross country championships, yeah. have an ability to add to their legacy. I love that big trophy, too, that you change the number on. Is it easy to change the numbers on that type of thing? It's heavy. You have to unscrew the little knobs, then it's it pulls a, out. Yeah, and, and you can't tell it. Let's not win one this year. I, I don't want to be unscrewing things and changing numbers. Well, and you always got to be thinking ahead because you got to be like, well, we got to have that one in the back. But then, like, you have cross country, two championships of white weekend. You, you have to have 159 ready. If I did not play football, I would have run cross country. I, not track, cross country, because I can run at the time just off into the distance. That's what cross country is. You're running for 3.1 through the woods, over the hills. You're running. I can't run in a circle. But if I was running away <laughs> or running to a destination, I feel like mentally that's easier. We all know my feelings on running, so I won't, won't go what, there. Only when you're in a hurry? No, I don't run for anything. Have you, have you done zero athletics? You did something, girl. Well, you played, played baseball. baseball. Yeah, but what I just position? don't like to run. I have, and there's not a lot of As it. As a pitcher in first base, but you don't have to run. You don't? No. At all? It was perfect for me. you got to run over and cover first sometimes. Yeah, yeah, but again, didn't have to do it. So uh, <laughs> they will have a chance this weekend in Bowling Green, Ohio, where we know the wind will aid their times to get... Just blow them right through that finish line. Well, unless it's in your face. That's true. You don't want to have that. No, it makes it tough. Uh, speaking of the wind blowing, we were in DeKalb, and it was howling over the weekend. It made some interesting uh, choices for throws, punting, everything you can think of. But uh, it, my favorite was uh, the poor water boy. Thankfully, this wasn't Drew on the sideline, but the poor NIU guy on the sideline lost his hat and then was chasing it for like 15 yards as it blew away from it. Yeah, he lost it at the 50. The hat made it probably down to the 30-yard line. He had to chase that down, which you never want to do in front of a, a big crowd. And the thing with the wind, too, it never relented. There was never a point where it kind of died or gusted. It just felt like a wind tunnel for three, three and a half hours out there. 
And it was interesting the way it affected the game. And it took me till the second timeout that Creighton took. I'm like, oh, there's five minutes left in the first. He's playing the wind. Yep. He's playing the wind. He's trying to timeout. We're playing this like late in the game to try and get to the fourth quarter. And he, he's using timeouts because you want to flip the position of the field and get the wind to your advantage. So I don't think I've ever called a game where that type of weather condition started playing into timeouts. And, and to be honest with you, NIU was playing for overtime till Rocky Lombardi pops that pass down the middle and they get a big run because they're into the teeth of the wind. And they're like, well, we don't want to kick it that way and we can't really move the ball. We don't want to give it back. Let's run the clock down. And unfortunately, it ends up going against Eastern Michigan and they take the L on the road. Yeah, you look at it, and I talked to somebody this morning, but I mean, Eastern comes in four and four on the year, but really, they're 90 seconds from possibly being six and two. You think it's Central Michigan, it was a late score. Had the opportunity, you miss a field goal. Exactly. Uh, This NIU game, the touchdown gets taken off the board as a a tripping penalty that may or may not be phantom. We we won't get into that. But uh, you have that. You'd be up. NIU's driving. I mean, as much as we want to say four and four, I I know. But the prospects of this team still, it's been a struggle. They still could be really good. They still could be really good. And I talked to Elijah Williams a little bit. And... I said, where's this team at? I mean, it's tough when you're 4-4. Four and four. They talked about the standard. They talked about winning the MAC, which seems a bit of a pipe dream now, but you never know how things are going to unfold. tied for the West Division last year. With- exactly, in kind of this similar situation. And he goes, listen, we, we, we are going to wreak havoc. Like, we still believe we can go 4-0 and down the stretch. Like, nothing would make us happier than if we can't win it to start ruining other people's seasons. And the thing with the MAC is, you could. All right, Western's two and six. They're a good football team. Right. You're at home. You're undefeated at home. You win that one. You go down to Toledo, maybe you wreck them well, on a MAC game. And again, this league is so quarterback dependent. Yes. You look at Miami, they were cruising. And then Gabbert's out last week. What'd they do? They lost. Yeah. And we all know Daquan Finn has had injury problems in the past. I mean, nothing's out of the, the realm of possibilities in a few weeks. Who's to say? NIU doesn't go differently if Sparacio isn't out after the third play of the game. He had two tackles in the first three plays of the game and then gets bounced for targeting, which it was. You put the crown yeah. of his helmet on the guy. But who's to say that doesn't change things? So anything could happen down the final four games of the season. Um, and, and listen, I, I like the attitude, like Elijah was saying, like, all right, if our dreams aren't going to come true, we're definitely on a mission to destroy everybody else's, and nothing would make us happier than to beat Western, then go down to Toledo and wreak some havoc down there. The the game at home this weekend, Eastern has been much better at home than they have been on the road, which is the exact opposite of last year, where Eastern had that long, lengthy road winning streak and it couldn't do a whole lot at home. This year, averaging 16 points a game more at home than on the road. They're giving up uh, a touchdown less a game. But the other number that stood out with me was they've got 11 sacks at home, just three on the road, and they've turned it over at home just three times on the road. Double that. It's just opponents, right? I mean, is there really a difference in home or away when it comes to scoring points or turning over the football? I don't know as crowds a factor, except maybe Minnesota. Jacksonville State had a decent crowd. Minnesota was the better football team. Jacksonville State could fly around on both sides of the ball. You weren't going to win those games this year. Those were the better football teams. 
We already broke down what happened up at Central. All right, you miss a kick, or maybe that changes. You know, it's it's just it's just funny. Chris Creighton said in his press conference this week, I would like to introduce last year's team to this year's team. If we could play on the road like we did last year and home like we did this year, we'd run the table. But it's a new formula of players every year, and you never know how things are going to play out. And it's just it's just funny how stats break down like that. It's like baseball when you your splits, like home and away, like not well, all that much changes. Yeah, look at the ALCS. The uh, the road team has won every game in that series. Going to a game seven. Game seven. Everybody loves game seven. But the hard part with game sevens are they never materialize into what you think they're going to. They always ha- turn out to be just, eh. In what sense? That the score is lopsided or it just A lot isn't... of times, yeah, it turns yeah. out to be lopsided. There's a whole different intensity there, though. Game sevens are just a different. You go through this whole seven-game series, and now it comes down to the, the managing. Everybody gets clinched up a little bit. Maybe the manager's like, oh, i got to pull this pitcher now after two and a third. Like The overthinking, I think, is some of the fun spectacle of a game seven. I think I'd be like uh, Sparky was back in the day. Just Captain Hook. You were in trouble. Get the heck out of there. Yeah, you're done. You're out of the sort of the same next. way. Yank them. You're done. So it'll be interesting to see. But uh, another big weekend. And for you, you're going to be pulling multiple hats this week. Not only do you get to call EMU football, but you get to be the master of ceremonies for the EMU E-Club Athletic Hall of Fame this week. Uh, Eric Alejandro from the track and field side. He was represented Puerto Rico in the Olympics. Ryan Coleman on women's basketball. Charles Gordon, who was part of that uh, 87 championship team and then was in the CFL. Natalie Hashimoto on gymnastics, who, to my knowledge, has the only perfect tens in in program history. And then Camilo Olayo, the volleyball star who had the jump serve that just was deadly and no one could stop. Uh, I mean, you've done this a few years now. This is kind of a a fun little thing that you've kind of come about. And now learning the past greats coming back. It is great to see the past legends of Eastern Michigan come back around. And my favorite part of the ceremony is when I say their name and it's welcome to the Hall of Fame and they kind of come up and it's just like, from that point forward, you're a Hall of Famer and, it, and they know it's coming all night. But when we finally say it and they come up and, and accept it, it's, it's very special. And I'm always blown away because we, we track these videos that they play that give everybody kind of the history of the athlete. And sometimes I'm reading these, I'm like, man, these people were good. Like there's... <laughs> These are unbelievable. I know there's D1 athletes, and then there's the D1 athletes. These are the D1 athletes. They're absolutely unbelievable in the Olympics and all these statistics, and they have records that still stand, and you're like, man, I wasn't remotely that good in anything in life as these people were at their sports at Eastern Michigan. Yeah, I'm just hoping to, to, yeah, I get to help nominate for the Hall of Fame and vote for it. That's about as close as we are right now to being (laughs) in the Hall of Fame. Uh, You have, though, made your own little tweaks to the Hall of Fame. You used to, the the MC before you used to sing the alma mater. You've kind of said, ah, we're not doing that. Yeah, well. I would like to see your singing voice. I'll tell you why we don't sing it anymore, and it's because the first year I did it, Scott Weatherby was up on stage with me. The athletes are all behind us. And he leans over and he goes, what's next on the script? I said, I'm supposed to sing the the song now for EMU. He goes, no, shut it down. Let's just move on with the evening. Like, all right, folks, thanks for coming. That's then that was it. So 
now it's it was a tradition before, and now not doing it is, is a tradition. That's the tradition. You don't want to hear me sing. It would not be good. I'm outside of your family, and maybe the shower. I can't see you being. I don't a singer. even sing in the shower. Yeah, it's not really my jam, and uh, I don't think I'd be any good at it. And I don't think making someone suffer through that. They do. They want to get their. Once they get up there, they want pictures with the family. They want to shake hands, give hugs. Some of them want to cry a little bit. They're overcome with joy. They don't need ah, coming up and they'd be like, oh, this is like a wounded animal up there. They didn't come for Tom Her- Helmer karaoke. Night. They didn't come for me in any fashion. They're just like, <laughs> hey, say my name. Let's get it going. Friday night, Under the Lights, EMU Athletic Hall of Fame weekend. It'll be a treat. Hopefully you've got your tickets. If not, you probably can still call. EMU Athletic Development, and get yours. Tom and I will both be there. We also have home volleyball, so it'll be a full jam-packed day before EMU football on the final Saturday game of 2023. I asked Coach about this in the interview today because our guests today are the two primary sports that everybody watches that make the most money. It's football with uh, Chris Crate, and then Stan Heath you get to sit down with. But ask Chris about the final Saturday game, and it's kind of bittersweet. It is bittersweet, and Chris had the same feeling I have. Remember, it used to be all 1 o'clock Saturday kickoffs. Eastern Michigan's kicking off Saturday at 1 o'clock. It's the perfect time. You don't have to get up too early if you're a player. You just kind of move through your day. It's that 1 o'clock kick. Game's over by 4, 4.30. You're home in dinner time. You can watch the night games of football. It's the perfect kickoff time for college football. Of course, TV's gotten involved now, and now it's, you know, Maybe you kick at noon. If you're a West Coast team and they want you at big noon, you're kicking early. You're playing some breakfast football. It all goes around what TV wants. So this 1 o'clock, perfect way to play your last Saturday of the football season at 1 o'clock. I love it. Yeah, we'll start doing that. And then on the basketball side of things, they kick off and – Really, uh, 14 days yeah. from today. You'll be at, Butler. at Hinkle Fieldhouse. You'll have that tape measure out, I'm sure. I'm gonna me- and- if you're listening, have you seen the movie Hoosiers? If you haven't, I'm not spoiling anything. It was a good basketball team out of Hickory. But there's a scene where Gene Hackman takes nope. his team. Of course, it wasn't Gene Hackman, the coach. He's playing a character. Uh, he goes to the Hinkle Fieldhouse where they're going to play this game. And the Hickory guys are looking around. He he goes, all right, get out of tape measure. How far to the rim? 10 feet. All right, now measure the free throw. 15 feet. Oh, I think you'll find these are exact dimensions at, back at Hickory. And they're all like, oh, oh, yeah. Same thing. It's just thousands of seats here. Have you been to Hinkle? I've never been to Hinkle, but I told Stan he should try that maneuver. And he's like, no one would know what I'm talking about. If you're 20 years old, you've not seen the movie it should Hoosiers. be required video. Watching. There's a lot of required video movies out there that you should see. Field of Dreams, those yep. type of movies. But they're just older. It's hard to get younger generations. I've tried to get Drew's 18, my son. I tried to show him Beverly Hills Cop once. And after about 40 minutes, I, I, and I can't take this. This is awful. Everything takes so long to set up. Yep. I was, wife and I were watching Magnum P.I. last night. There was like 10 minutes of scene that had nothing to do with the story in a one-hour show. I'm like, they took a lot of time back then because no one had 
Yeah, you were TikTok, Snapchat, channels. you weren't scrolling through your phone, you weren't trying to find another game on TV. There were three channels, you watched one of them, and that was your evening. I was the guy that got to go turn the knob when they oh, said, oh, you, we're changing channels. Okay. Go you see. were the remote. I yeah, say in my house, hey, channel four, get up there and get it. Yeah, yeah. click, click. Or at grandma's house, she, she had the antenna, so you had to go, uh, which way is that way? And then you'd have to rotate that. Young people right now, it's we sound like the two old guys in the balcony on the Muppets, you know. We are. Antennas, turning channels by hand. We're going to start yelling at clouds. Walking. Get, get, off, get off my yard. <laughs> well, before we do, we want to appreciate it. Thank everybody for listening. Chris Creighton, Stan Heath, uh, thoughts on Stan's interview before we turn it over to him. Stan's excited about this year's team. And obviously... When Imani Bates walked out the door, you lost a lot of talent there. But this was a team that struggled to win games last year, and part of that is because they didn't play together. You can have five great athletes, but if they don't play like five fingers in a glove, you're not going to win a lot of basketball. This team is more cohesive, and they are left with the Imani effect. A lot of guys watched how he did his business. One of the things the Cleveland Cavaliers loved about Imani Bates was the way he trained, the way he worked the way he never took possessions off on either end of the floor. And that's one of the things they talked about with Stan Heath was like, we like the way this guy works. Players have taken pieces of that and incorporated that into their game, their prep, or their mindset. So we'll see what we got. We'll see if this is going to be an improved basketball team. They're closer. Is it enough? You got a seven-footer this year in Kirill, the transfer from Georgia that, Tech. That, if you had you that can't play year. in the MAC without a seven-footer. Got to have that. You can't play basketball without a seven-footer. There's also a stat that, like, a, a large percentage of people that are seven feet or taller end up playing in the NBA. I believe if you're that. playing basketball. Yeah. Because you're going to get the nod, right? Like, all right, you're seven feet. Yeah, Let's take, we'll take a shot with you. Move to the front of the line. Yeah. So I, it's, I mean, not, Stan's not going to say, oh, yeah, I don't know. Let's, we're just going to suffer through the season and see where it falls. No. He's yeah, excited. Yeah. We're excited to go down to Butler yep. and see what happens. And he will talk about his non conference schedule. He set it up last year. It was kind of a murderer's row. You play Michigan at Little Caesars. You got all this. This is a more balanced schedule with the intent of let's get healthy. Let's play better as a team. Let's get to the MAC and let the chips fall where they may. Should be a fun one. We appreciate that. Uh, we look forward to your call at Hinkle, but you get me one more time before basketball season gets underway next week, uh, two weeks from next, I should say. I get you again? Yeah. You, at Hinkle? Yeah. 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 I thought you were saying I'd get you one time between now and then. No, well, you yeah. will for the podcast next week, but... Yeah, the podcast, yeah. 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 Which is why people are listening right now. Yeah, you'll be there. At, oh, is this a podcast? Oh, I got a mic on. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we'll see it at halftime on Saturday. Exactly. That's dropping it. knowledge. All right, we uh, have Stan and Chris on the other side of this. You're listening to the Blue Cross Blue Shield Eastern Insider Podcast, presented by the Foling Warehouse. Are you ready? Ready to find the right care that works for you? Care that connects you to what you need anytime, anywhere, and fits best with your lifestyle. Whether it's in person or in your pajamas, online or over the phone, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan connects you to the care you need when you need it most. With the largest network of doctors and hospitals, an easy-to-use mobile app, and a 24-hour nurse line. Because we're always ready to help. Learn more about Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan at bcbsm.com. It's here. Bowling Warehouse. And sports will never be the same. Bowling combines the best of bowling and football. But you don't have to be good at either to have a great time at the Foling Warehouse. Ipsy Ann Arbor's newest place to play is now open. 20 lanes, 
two bars, over 100 beers. The Folling Warehouse at the corner of Washtenaw and Golfside in Ypsilanti, where everyone comes to play. There's only one place in the state of Michigan that takes you straight inside the locker room. And that's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Your chance to get in on the action, bringing you more coverage than any other program in the mitten. Joining me now, Stan Heath, ready for his third year at Eastern Michigan. It goes fast, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It sneaks up on you. But uh, excited about this team. You know, it, it takes a couple of years to kind of put your team together and, um, you know, kind of build your philosophy and, and have the guys really understand what you're trying to do. So we're seeing a lot of that this early part of the, um, uh, well, through the summer and even through the fall and uh, preseason. Um, and so now it's uh, getting close, getting close to game time. This is what I see in college sports now, Stan. You just have to rebuild every year. The transfer portal, every kid that doesn't feel like they're getting the right playing time, they want to go, our players move on. Everybody's always moving around. It seems like you're going to have a small core you could probably keep through their collegiate career. And then it seems like every school is adding, and every sport, adding, grabbing, moving around. Is that what you're seeing or is it? There's a lot of truth to that, but I think the, the, the point you just made about having a core I, I really believe that those are the teams that are going to be very successful. If you can have a core group of guys, a little bit older, hopefully, junior, senior, uh, those are the teams that tend to have good success. Those guys have played together for a little while. Um, you got a good feel for your philosophy, your uh, your schemes, how you're doing things offensively and defensively. So, uh, But, yeah, I, I think that's just going to be the, the environment we live in now in, in, you know, collegiate sports where you're probably going to have, you know, pieces that either enhance you or, right. or just kind of build out your roster. One of the best players in the nation walked out the door. He's with the Cleveland Cavs, Amani Bates. But his impact will still be felt this year. I've talked to every player on your team uh, that was here last year, and they all seem to take something from him. Like, okay. you know, he, he was a hard worker. Yeah. And they're like, boy, I'm taking that. Or there was something that they're going to incorporate in their game, in their day, in their preparation. So his impact feels like, It'll still be strong this year, even though he's not here physically. Yeah, you know, it's amazing because, you know, obviously I think you know, I saw Monty last week and, and um, uh, you know, obviously we all wanted more success. He wanted more success, uh, you know, the coaching staff, everybody. And it's just how did we how do we, how do you get there? And I think as you see guys go from one year to the next year, you see the maturity. And so a lot of the guys, whether it's, you know, Lovejoy and Acuff or, or you know, Billingsley or, you know, even even. You know, Javante Randall, different different guys, Yusef, all those guys that have been around him, they saw different things. And, right. and probably the main thing you saw was how hard he worked. Like he's a gifted shooter, but it's not because he was born that way. It's because he literally before and after practice was in the gym getting a lot of shots up and really working and going. You know, one thing that uh, I saw when I the first time I ever saw him work out and I was talking to Cleveland Cavalier coaches. Uh, they were like, you know, he doesn't take a possession off when he's working out. Like he's scoring at the same high pace every single time. So he's he's game speed. And so when it's the games come, especially on the offensive end, he's game ready. Right. So I think our players saw that and we're seeing a lot of guys. I think Acuff's had a phenomenal summer in terms of working on his game and elevating his game to another level as well, too. So hopefully that pays off. I think the maturity part, getting bigger, stronger. I think the commitment more to the defensive end, the rebounding end, uh, being a tougher team. Uh, we've added size. We've added some good pieces that really help us as well, too. 
Let's start with Acuff. His team? His he's, team. He's running this team. He's the captain. Yeah, he's the captain. He's ready um, for it? He's ready. Absolutely, absolutely. He's He started from probably back in the spring and has and it's been very consistent through the summer as well, too. The other guy that I think is coming along and that he's been he's been hurt uh, and he's out now a couple of weeks is Lovejoy. And I think he's going to be in that mode as well, too. And he's a different type of leader. He's more of a, uh, he's going to get in your face and he's going to be more physical, more aggressive. Uh, you know, Tyson does it in a little bit different way where he's communicating extremely at a high level with his teammates. They like him. They, they see the work he puts in as well, too. So uh, I think as time goes on, those two will evolve uh, together as a really strong leadership combination. Here's what I almost laughed out loud when I was talking with Lovejoy, because I said, what's what's what have you worked on over the summer? What's changing your game? He goes, I need to foul less. And I almost laughed out loud, but he had a lot of backcourt fouls and he's got very quick hands. But I was inspired by the self-awareness. Some guys don't ever get yeah, that switch to flip. Absolutely. And he's like, you know what? I made a lot of mistakes when I shouldn't have, and I want to be better. I want to be aggressive, but I want to foul less. Yeah. And for you as a head coach, you got to be like, thank you. Well, I think you watch so many games, whether it's the NBA, whether it's college, no matter what. And every time a call is made, you see the guy, I didn't foul. And then they look right. at the replays, like, yes, you did. Like, you did. <laughs> so, you know, it's kudos to, uh, to Orlando. And he, he said those same things to me as well, too, that, he wants to be on the floor, and he wants to be a defensive impact. He wants to be defensive player of the year. He wants to be that guy, and that's, you know, not that offense isn't important. It is important for him as well, too, but he also knows, like, he has to do it in a way where he can not foul and keep himself on the court. You had to go through last season without a big. You got one. Transfer from Georgia Tech, Martinoff, seven-footer. That's going to make a big difference absolutely. in what you do, isn't yeah, it? Absolutely. Just just his presence alone. And he's still got some work to do, but he's not just, you know, the seven-footer that's just kind of standing around. He's mobile. Uh, he's got a good feel. Uh, he's still got parts of his game he's got to work on just around the basket, post moves, finishing, things like that. But uh, he gives us a good passer, a good runner, uh, a guy who can uh, screen the heck out. So I know like Tyson, those guys love him because he, he frees those guys up for, for plays. But – uh, yeah, he gives us size. Legend Jeter's gotten better. Javante Randolph's gotten better, and even Jalen Billingsley. So we have several guys who can kind of play the the center spot for us if we need to, uh, which we didn't have as much last year. And this team seems to have something that last year's didn't. They really seem to be more cohesive. Sure. Like, you can have all the great athletes you want, but if you guys can't figure out how to play together, you're not going to win a lot of basketball games. This team seems like they've already crossed that hurdle. I, I really believe, you know, one of the lessons learned from our team from last year was this year's team, like, we've got to be way more connected. Like, we've got to be on the same page. We've got to do this thing together. This is a, you know, five-man sport when you're out there on the court and mm -hmm. obviously more than that when you're a team. Uh, so uh, I, our guys really feel the, the cohesiveness, the connection, uh, the chemistry, you know, all those C words are extremely important, and they bought into it. It's not just, you know, conversation. They're really doing a good job of helping each other when adversity hits. That's when you really know is when times get a little bit tough, adversity hits. Right. You know, are we going to come together or are we going to rip ourselves apart? Non-conference schedule. You, you open at Butler. Uh, as you kind of set it up, what were kind of your goals to get yourself ready for the MAC? Balance. Okay. Just balance. You know, having some some very strong competitive games. I think we look at Butler, look at Michigan now, Florida Atlantic. You got a Final Four team as well too. Very very challenging games. We have our you know kind of array of teams that uh, you know we're kind of on the same boat and good rivalries with 
Oakland and Detroit. We have Cleveland State coming in. That's an important game. Actually, that's the day we're going to retire Ben Braun's uh, or put the name on the court for Ben Braun that day. Uh, so you have those teams. And then you have some other teams that, uh, you know, we have this, oh, the Sunbelt Challenge, which is a new thing this year. So we have a, a max Sunbelt Challenge. Uh, Georgia Southern will be our second game of the year. It's on a Saturday, November 11th. And then we'll play, we'll play them at home. And then we'll play another team, not, not determined yet, out of the Sun Belt that will be uh, determined. We'll play in, um, I think it's either January or February. I could be off on that, but it's January or February. Two good conferences, too. That's a really good yeah, crossover, is. isn't yeah, it? Absolutely, absolutely. We've been trying to do something like that with other leagues, and we finally got one that uh, I think pairs really well with us. And uh, I think that'll be, you know, when you get to those bid selections, you know, hopefully we get to the point where we get two bids. But it helps you if you're playing, a, you know, kind of those – those interconference or those out of conference things, battles where you can say, hey, our conference beats your conference head to head. And so now you get yourself elevated ahead of a conference. Right. Which matters. Final thing, Stan, the the Butler game. That's the same arena that they shot the oh, yeah. Hoosiers yeah. in. Yeah. Are you gonna do you're gonna take the measuring tape measure? <laughs> You'll find these dimensions, kids, are the same as Ypsilanti. You know, the craziest thing is if I did that. The players would have no idea they've that never was, seen they, the they've movie. never seen the movie before. They would they would think, dang, coach came up with an original idea. Well, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Stan Heath, thank you very much. Best of luck this All season. Right. Thanks, Tom. Bye. This episode of the Eastern Insider Podcast is brought to you by National Trails Bus. Safety, comfort, reliability. Come ride with us, as well as Trinity Health. Trinity Health is the preferred health care provider of EMU athletics. Get top-tiered orthopedic and spine care. To get you back in the game, as well as standard printing and design, the standard of excellence in design and print for small business. You're listening to the Blue Cross Blue Shield Eastern Insider Podcast, presented by the Folding Warehouse, the only show that brings you all things Eastern all the time. Now let's get back to the action with Greg Steiner and Tom Helmer. Eagles return home this week to take on the Broncos of Western Michigan in the final leg of the Michigan Mac Trophy as we're joined by head coach Chris Creighton recapping Northern Illinois over the weekend. Coach, a tough one. I know we, I've asked you this in the past, but the 24 hours to, to think about it, look at it, and then flush it, move on. So we're just kind of past that window. But the biggest takeaway I have is your guys went toe-to-toe with Northern, and ultimately it's maybe one play here or there that – you were that close to it. What's your thoughts on, on the NIU game? Yeah, I thought it was a, a good football game for sure. Um, obviously really close. They took the ball away. Uh, we didn't. Um, special teams were even. I thought both teams actually did really well going against the wind because it was a, the wind was a factor yep. in, in the uh, special teams game. But by the, both teams kicked and punted well into it. All four field goals were made into the wind, you know, uh, 100% both ways. And then, you know, like, it, you know, came down to um, us not making some plays and them making some plays. We were pretty good on third down in terms of 7 for 14, 50%. But when it got into third and longer, you know, when we needed to make some, we, we weren't able to. And, you know, th- we got them into some third and longs, even double sticks. And, and they, you know, found a way uh, to convert. And uh, so... Um, tough one for sure, but a lot of football left. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to keep at it. 
one of the unique things I thought was the decision early on in that contest to start using some of your timeouts based on the wind. How much uh, did you think about that going into the contest of knowing, hey, if we get them into a second or third and long, we're going to start using timeouts to make sure that it's more difficult for them to, to battle that breeze? Yeah, we just, you know, you, you never know um, how either half is going to end. Um, you know, for me, you'll want to have all three timeouts at the end of the second half. And I'm probably a lot different than a lot of people with the first half. Um, I rather make sure that you are in the right call offensively or defensively or to fix whatever needs to be fixed. Uh, three, three out of what ends up being 50 plays, mm-hmm. if you put offensive defense together or 60 plays, if you can correct three of them. Uh, I think that that's... Um, worthy of calling timeouts in the first half. Uh, I want to be very liberal with timeouts. Don't want to go into the locker room not having used timeouts when you could have fixed something, when you could have changed something. And can it be that at the end of the first half that you wish that you had timeouts? Yes. Um, And even though when you have that philosophy of being liberal with the timeouts in the first half, it doesn't mean that you use them. You know, you're you're still only using them if you need them. So, but in this case, yeah, I... uh, you know, sometimes a coin toss is irrelevant. And sometimes it's a pretty big deal. And this was a good one to win. You know, we deferred. They took the ball, kicked with the wind. Mm-hmm. And then they did, you know, a great job. And it was penalty aided. Yep. Um, but moving the ball, you know, down the field. We wanted to have them against the wind and us in the into the wind as many possessions as possible in that first quarter. And so that's why we chose to, to use our timeouts. Is the very first drive of the game the hardest one for coaches to prepare for? Because you think all week, I expect them to do X, but then on game day, they can do Y. You saw Northern drive down on, on drive one. You saw your team drive down as well. Is, is that just kind of because you can change so much in the variables from week to week? Yeah, it's a, I mean it's a good question. It it uh but it yeah, there there's three and outs too, right? I mean there's, you know, both ways on the very first drive um and then there's times where you get rolling. I can't speak for all offenses, you know, I know that, you know, we script, you know, the the first 10 or so plays okay. and, you know, the the thinking behind that is you're always trying to attack to move the ball down the field. So you're trying to execute the game plan that you've created for what you think you're going to see. But there's also some information gathering going on. You know, you're trying to give certain looks so that if it isn't what you thought it was going to be, you know, or if they do, you know, several different things, you might want to try to figure out, okay, what are they going to be doing yep. in this game plan? Um, so it's got, you know, a multi-purpose in, in the script, but I think I guess what I'm trying to say is is that um, you can get off script, obviously with third downs and all of those things. But I think often, you know, you're following that, uh, even even if it, they're not perfect calls, because you're still trying to learn things that you need to know for the rest of the game. Here with head coach Chris Creighton, we're getting ready for the nor- recapping the Northern game, and then now moving on to Western Michigan. Uh, the Broncos, the opponent this week, Eastern Michigan has had their number each of the last four seasons, but. It's been close competitive games. Now a first-year head coach on the opposite side, Tim Lester, no more. But you do have uh, some knowledge and some base of seeing what they've done for eight straight weeks. I mean, they're a team that can move the ball. They've, they've, they're still really strong up front. What would you say is the, the catalyst for Western Michigan this year? Well, I say, you know, first of all, you know, what, what's happened in the past is uh, – um, certainly not relevant to what's going to happen in five days. And, uh, you know, 
Um, did not know, you know, Coach Taylor prior to him being hired and got to run into him at, at uh, a couple of camps. Um, it was really good, you know, to meet him. And, you know, I think they're off to a really good start. You know, people, you look at the, the record. But again, I mean, people got to look at the schedule. I mean, you know, they've had a, a really, really difficult schedule. Um, you know, three power five teams and then, you know, arguably the best teams in the MAC. you know, mm-hmm. after two thirds, you know, of, of the season. And have played well all the way through. I mean, all the way through. And uh, you know, doesn't there? There is no you know dip or fall off or anything like that. And to me, that that that's a mark. You know what I mean? Of something that's impressive. And so, I mean, it's gonna be a huge battle. It, it always is with those guys. And um, uh, we're certainly looking forward to it. We've seen in, in past years, Western Michigan, Eastern Michigan games that are decided by explosive plays. It's been a hard time this year to get explosive plays in terms of just six runs of 20 or more, only 11 passes of 20 or more yards. How do you start trying to manufacture some of those explosiveness? I know it's it's hard on paper because, again, they can adjust, but it seems like that's been a a character of, of these games. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, I, that is, I think, an area, you know, we have a goal board offensively, defensively, and special teams, goals that don't change from week to week. And it's how we evaluate how we're doing in those three phases. And one of our categories is explosive plays. And, you know, green is we got it, and red is we haven't. And there's a lot more red than there is green on our offensive goal board when it comes to explosive plays. And so, you know, uh, how do you how do you create those? Um, you know, d- certainly by design, and uh, uh, and then sometimes, right? You break a tackle. You know, you make somebody miss. You know, the ball is uh, thrown short. Uh, you know, and becomes an explosive, mm-hmm. uh, or even just on a I don't want to say a simple run, but just you know, on an inside zone um, where shoot, you might be you know, wanting to get four or five yards, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it breaks and cuts back and becomes um, an explosive run. So we we aren't, you know, building this offense to try to get an explosive play every time, you know, that that we're out there um, running a play, but we definitely need more explosive um, plays. And so, you know, we're putting the plan together now. And you're right that this game has has certainly had explosive plays the last, you know, several years. And then away from football, as we look at it, you move the final Saturday game of this regular season. Everything else is action moving forward, uh, but it also allows for a prime opportunity from a week to, of today. It'll be Lions versus Raiders. Max Crosby scheduled to be coming into town. I know there's hopes and plans that maybe he'll be here on, on Saturday, depending on how things shake out with, with the Raiders schedule. But how awesome an opportunity is it for Max to come back to Southeast Michigan and play on Monday night, prime time. And the real question is, are you going to be there? <laughs> yeah, so um, it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be awesome to have him back. You know, one of the things that people may not know, even if they follow our recruitment of him, um, you know, down in Texas, well, he grew up in Michigan. Yeah, he's a Lapeer guy originally, yeah, right? He grew up in Michigan. And so... I mean, it is not only a homecoming, you know, to Eastern Michigan, um, but, you know, where he lived, I want to say first 10, 11, 12 years of his life. And uh, so really big deal. Um, I know he's excited and, uh, 
we're, we're absolutely excited about him coming back. He was here in June and did an awesome job. So um, we, we actually do have, um, you know, a couple days because of the, the schedule going from Saturday to would be a Wednesday. And um, I may be out trying to find more Max Crosby's, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I would love to be at the Monday night game. And uh, so we'll see. You can always just still be wearing your, your Raiders jersey and good luck, Faith, for him. <laughs> Coach, we appreciate your time. Best of luck this week against the Broncos as you try to get one step closer to retaining that Michigan Mac trophy. All right, thanks. There's only one podcast in Washtenaw County that takes you inside the athletic department every single week. The Eastern Insider Podcast. Your home for all things Eastern all the time. This has been another edition of the Blue Cross Blue Shield Eastern Insider Podcast, powered by Learfield. Tune in every Monday for new episodes all year long. And don't forget to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or your home smart device for all of our episodes on demand.